Hey, this is Shane Malcolm. And this is Jordan Schweitzer. We're the creators of Boot Bags. Fashionable, durable, washable. Boot Bags are the most convenient way to carry your cleats to and from training or games. Check us out at bootbags.us. You're listening to the Force Fancast Podcast. It's double trouble for Nottingham Forest after disappointing defeats to Cardiff and Huddersfield. Without a point or even a goal to their name so far this season, the Reds need to put it together and soon. But with 12 new additions to the squad and counting this transfer window, how much time does Sabri have to find the winning formula? We discuss all of that and more on your Forest Fancast. I'm Mark, one of your hosts of Forest Fancast, and this episode, we've added an additional defensive midi to help shore up our commentary. Rejoining me this week are Big Wes. Hello, Wes. How's it going, mate? It's going great, mate. How you doing? Good, good, good. And welcoming to the pod, the Jack Colback of Vancouver, Jordan. Hello, mate. <laughs> I think I'm the Samba So of Toronto, and I? I come back in and uh, cause a bit of disruption in the middle of the park, but... Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good to be back. I realized I picked the wrong Canadian city. Why did yeah. I pick Vancouver? <laughs> it's but you're completely on the other coast. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm as disorientated as Sabri might be. Uh, <laughs> don't know which way's up at this point. Yeah, all the contract <laughs> manager at Nottingham Forest trying to deal with all these players coming in. He just doesn't know who's signing which contract on what wages right now with the volume of them all. Yeah, it must be very difficult as well when you're trying to work out all those contracts and you get handed another blank piece of paper that all it has is an illegible signature at the bottom. <laughs> or, like on the signing pictures, it's just a plain piece of Nottingham Forest notepad. And they saying. really mess up the camera angle on it. <laughs> so you play it e, it's from like the conference room notepad paper. <laughs> Oh, well, we're delirious because you have to laugh, right? If you don't laugh, you're absolutely going to cry before it's start to the season. Um, let's jump into the forest for the trees, boys. This is where we hone in on newsworthy events to the past couple of weeks. And I think we want to start with the most exciting new addition to forest this season, Big Wes. Yeah, so I am really excited to announce our third kit. Yes! <laughs> yes, that's the most exciting thing that I have for us <laughs> thus far. But I, I'm really excited to announce this seriously because I love this look. Um, being a Southerner in the U.S., it has that whole, like, out, out hunting look. You know, it's got the trees. We have this brand here that is in the south that's really popular that's made up of literally trees uh, and it looks a lot like that um i'm really really loving this i can't wait to get mine albeit i have to of course order a couple of sizes up because uh, i think these things size really small still but uh that's that's my exciting news for the day is the amazing look for this third kid jordan what are your thoughts on the new third threads yeah, mate, I think they're quite smart. And I think what people have uh, have slowly realized too, it's like a leaf pattern for the forest and everything on the on the jersey. Um, no, I think it's really, really smart. And uh, we'll come to probably the reasons why we need a third kit when we talk about our transfers in and needing to raise a bit of cash. Fun little. But uh, no, I think this looks really, really smart. One of our better ones. And uh, yeah, I feel like I'm going to have a, a huge order coming in on the online shop now when we think of, the three jerseys and then all the training tops. It's going to be pretty nuts. Yeah, and the uh, the markup on the shipping costs will, uh, will help out a lot as well. Oh my goodness! Yeah, don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, the shipping costs are insane. So, listeners, I hope you're sitting down. I'm about to shock the entire world and say, "I like this Macron shirt." Yeah, there he is. He's in. Yeah. We've converted him. <laughs> I already was down for a training hoodie. I think there's a mint. I, I had a baseball cap in the cart as well, a couple of other bits and pieces. And then this popped up. And like Big Wes was saying, being here in the South, 
you know, you wear camo, you're one of the boys. Yeah. I like the fact though that it also has the Dick Cheney orange on it as well. So you don't get shot when you're walking through the forest. That's there nice. you go. There you go. That's a, that's a bit of, of hunter orange, we call it here in the South. <laughs> so yeah, big, big thumbs up. Some people suggesting this is the strongest lineup of shirt. This is ridiculous. We should be talking about the strongest lineup of actual players, <laughs> but, but this is the strongest lineup of shirts that Forrest had in quite some time. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, totally agree. I'm, yeah. I'm in love with the look. I can't wait to get mine and, and model it for you guys. <laughs> yeah, you've been doing quite well on the modeling front recently, Wes, with, uh, with masks and, uh, and others. So uh, another thing to add to your, uh, burge- your kind of burgeoning career here in, yeah. uh, in modeling forest attire. I was told to, to diversify my portfolio, mate. So <laughs> <laughs> if anyone from the club is listening uh, to this podcast, there's three shirts there that we would certainly love to have sent to us. You can cover the shipping costs. Jordan's an adult small. I'm a medium. And Big Wears is a 4XL. There you go. Jordan, what do you have for us? Uh, so I think uh, going into now uh, FFP world and trying to look on the other side of uh, outgoings of spend. We've got 12 signings now this year. <laughs> Correct. As of 2.20 p.m. on Sunday, the 27th of September um like this is just wild and i think a few people saw the the sporkle quiz i developed in my free time this week of 69 players now since the summer of 2017 we've signed which when you think about that that's a kind of new player every two two weeks it's just just bizarre and, and bonkers um and i think where i'm starting to worry now is yes we got the kind of cash money but uh, this is a lot of money that we're spending. Um, and I just don't quite get the strategy we're, we're going after here. I think with five, six, I think we were in a good shape, but we've literally signed a whole new brand new 11. And now we're starting to fill out the subs bench. <laughs> like, yeah, and what I, I think the thing that confuses me the most is this is the seasons that that's had the shortest preseason of any season in history yet we're signing the most players we probably have ever done in the summer. So how are we men are gel as a team? And we'll come to like the whole Sabri piece later and, and other bits. But when you're signing this volume of players, wanting them to gel and then perform as a top six team out from the get-go, like it's an almost impossible task. I feel like the club is in in the stage where we've handed our kid the iPhone and they're just buying loads of apps on the app stores just because they've, <laughs> they've just gone run wild. We've just lost the checkbook. And if we just yeah. think about it here, the, the 12 we've signed, you've got Colback, Taylor, Blackett, Freeman, Ioano, Diallo, Christie, Arta, Guerrero, Battery, McKenna, Mbiso. I've run out of breath talking about our <laughs> signings. When was the last time we've been able to do that in a forest transfer window? Um, so yeah, we've, we've added quite a few names since, uh, since the last podcast. Um, and I think the other side to this too, is some of them are quite good. (laughs) So you're, you're in this weird scenario where we've just signed loads and loads of players. There are, there is quality in there, but, um, it's worrisome at the same time. But, uh, yeah, Wes, what do you think, mate? Yeah, I think, uh, to your point earlier, um, it's a little strange to me because this feels like the kind of thing you do in preseason, right? You bring together a whole bunch of new people and try to get them to work as a team. We got a bunch of new players that are trying to come together, like you said, but they're doing it in an already season that's off to a crap start. So you have almost two strikes against you, right? The the strike of not being in in a baseball term for you guys that are not following baseball, but you have the the strike against you of not uh, knowing each other, not playing as a unit, not having a lot of experience together, being in the real in the real season now, and then you have uh, a season that that's already wearing on you mentally as a team, right? So how do you overcome all of that with a, a manager that I am not? I'm a lot less sold on now um, to be able not to only pull these people together, but to play the type of football that's going to get the results that we need. Yeah, I think you both make great points. I think the thing that jumps out to me is when, when we saw 
these signings begin to happen, there appeared to be method, right? There appeared to be strategy. It was very intentional. And I think the first, to your point, Jordan, the first four or five signings that were made were met with almost universal applause from the fans saying, yes, we needed that type of a player or yes, we needed additional cover in that part of the field. But it's just gone mad now. And, and But again, it, it's... <laughs> It's kind of frustrating because our confusion at all these signings is somewhat tempered by the quality yeah. of some of the most recent ones. Arta and probably McKenna being the two that really jump out. Although I think Ayanu and Christy are good pickups as well. Um, I think Diallo, Wes, is a necessary cover at goalkeeper, as you speculated earlier uh, in the season. So it... I don't, I don't know if there's, there's still that degree of intentionality. I don't know who's making the decisions right now. It does seem excessive, and it does concern me when you look at player wages numbers in the championship, not just at Nottingham Forest. I don't have that view behind the curtain. I can't tell you what each player is making and what the total outgoings are, but I can tell you that the championship as a whole, 107% of turnover goes on player wages. 300 million pounds are being borrowed presently to bolster that division. 380 million are being put up by owners of championship teams. So clubs are heavily reliant on their sugar daddies, which is fine if you have one with deep pockets and a lot of patience. But if you have an owner that has a, a, a short a shortfall of either of those things, you could find yourself in a really sticky situation really quickly, particularly in this COVID world. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing makes me nervous on a couple of levels. One, do we need this many players? Does Sabri know what to do with them? Is he even making the decisions about who to bring in at this point? And two, what does it mean to the, to the balance sheet? Yeah. There's something that I had not thought of. Is he actually making the calls on bringing these guys in? That's a very good point. And, Probably, if we knew that answer, it would speak to a lot of the other questions that we have about his future. Yeah, and just like, I think that the, the biggest piece for me too, and credit to the club for, revisit, for revisiting the season ticket holder options over the past couple of days, but how does it look for you when you're a season ticket holder, you're being told uh, in a time of economic uncertainty, um, you can't get your £300 back uh, and that might be, you know, for for some people, money that they actually need to, to live on right now. Yeah. And the club are saying, uh, or trying to put up every barrier possible for you to not get your money back and basically saying, uh, we're going to remove all your loyalty uh, should you choose to get a refund. And then on the other hand, a splurging money on all of these players. And mm. I, I just think that that's a bit of a bad look for the fans when we're doing this. Hey, they've got, two weeks or so to fix this and try and get some outgoings out. This is the hard bit. This is when the Modestos, the Rentsos of this world have a difficult path ahead. They've done the easy stuff. Buying players is really bloody easy. You just put money out and say, yes, we're going to sign you. Like that's the easiest part of transfer business. The issue for them is getting rid of all of the driftwood, the bomb squad, whatever you want to call it that they've actually purchased themselves in the past 24 months um, that they now have to, get, have to get rid of to avoid this kind of stink, you know, two fingers up to the fans here of, hey, we'll flex our financial muscle when it makes sees fit for us. Um, and, you know, with five or six players, I think that was probably all we needed this year. We spoke about it at the back end of last year. If you'd have gone to anybody in the fan base and gone, we needed 12 players this year, people would have gone, what? Yeah. Um, but we could now field a lineup that doesn't have some of our best players in, like the Lollies or, you know, um, uh, or others in the team and, our, you know, the, the Bree Sambers or whatever. Like, we could, we've got so many signings that we just, we might not even play some of them. And we saw a little bit of that happen over the weekend. Um, so, I'm in two minds now, like, hey, I'm going to give them to the 5th of October or whenever it is when the deadline uh, closes to try and fix the, the Deadwood Driftwood stuff. If they don't fix that, I think that's a real fundamental strike against the guys that are running recruitment strategy at the, at the club.
Yeah, one of the things that seemed obvious last year was that Sabri had done a really nice job of binding the team, right? There was a real great team spirit, a real camaraderie, a real togetherness. Um, even when things got difficult at the end, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, there was very little finger pointing. It was a case of we screwed this up together. Mm-hmm. And you do wonder when you have so many people now on the roster, how are you going to keep all these players happy? Particularly that when some of these players are very seasoned, right? They're mature professionals. They're not going to be happy with sitting on the bench, with just picking up a pay packet. They're going to want to be involved. So It'll be interesting uh, to see how that develops. And of course, we'll talk about a few of these players here in just a moment when we come onto the games themselves. We talked about additions. I want to talk about notable departures. And there are three I want to cover very quickly, gents. The first of which, one that broke my heart after 13 years. Has it really been that long? Chrissy Cohen leaves Nottingham Forest and joins championship rivals Luton. As we know, Cohen was heavily involved in Forest Academy setup, working alongside Gary Brazil and others, but has an opportunity to go work with a senior team at Luton. Gents, what do we think about this departure? That uh, Chris's departure was a bit sentimental. Friend of yours, right? Friend of right. yours. Yeah. yeah, but personal friend of mine, right? He, <laughs> I, I called him right after. But, <laughs> Well, that was a bit sentimental to me, right? Because like you said, he had a long spell with the club. Um, He was, I felt part of that personality of Forrest that I'd come to understand. I don't understand our personality a lot right now. But when I thought I understood Forrest, he was part of that definition. Um, So it was a bit um, touching to see him leave. The, The accolades that are that um, he got online were, uh, it it was a testament to his loyalty to the club as well, I think. Yeah, I think from from my side, great to see he's getting opportunities and respected in the game, like gets the assistant manager's job. Perfect to become the next Forest caretaker manager then after a couple of weeks. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, he's just readying himself to come back for uh, for the big job. Um, by all accounts, did a phenomenal job with the uh, with the academy, but uh, gives Gary Brazil uh, the the first rungs at uh, being the replacement whilst we wait for our next manager at some point. Um, and uh, but good for him, I think a classy servant to to the club. And it was nice that they did a a bit of a farewell uh, you yeah. know message where our captain from last year, Ben Watson, gets nothing. So, uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, awful, really. So, um, you know, uh, good for them on, on that front. And, you know, all the best to, to Chris Go. And I think he's been such a great servant, servant for us. Um, it would be impossible for us, for us to keep him for 60 years. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll give him a bit of a chance to, to, to learn how, uh, how good Forrest is and uh, want to come back at some point. I bet he can't wait to come back to Forest uh, for a four-week stint as manager before he gets fired. (laughs) Ben Watson, as you mentioned, skipper from last year, also has departed Nottingham. Uh, As you mentioned, Jordan, the club haven't said anything about it, which seems very bizarre indeed, but he has moved to Charlton. Um, Of course, folks knew that he wanted to get back to London to be closer to family. Charlton play in the division below League One. But they're a good little outfit, and I think he'll fit in well there. I wouldn't be surprised to see him as skipper uh, before too long. Classy player and did a great job for us last season. Had to win a few people over, but I think he did. And uh, even though the club haven't said goodbye to him, I'm glad we get the opportunity to. And then I also want to mention Brennan Johnson from the Forest Academy, the aforementioned Forest Academy, who broke into the first team last season, had a couple of appearances, didn't do himself any harm, but I think now with as many players as we have on the books, in order for him to get some field time, he's, uh, he's off to Lincoln on loan, which of course we'll see him join up again with Liam Bridcut, formerly of this parish as well. So all the best to Brennan Johnson. Just on that one, they played each other today. An amazing tweet from the Lincoln City uh, played Twitter account. Um, uh, Charlton played Lincoln. Ah, okay. So uh, Ben Watson is booked for a foul on Brennan Johnson, who was bursting forward with pace for the Imps. So it's not like Ben Watson to be caught out from uh, midfield runners in, in the past. But nice to see that he's found his level and uh, both of them are playing against each other. That's awesome. It is awesome. All right, boys, let's transition to a kickabout. We're going to kick about Forrest's most recent performances. So Jordan, why don't you lead us up? Don't we have a fantastic 
victory to discuss? Yeah, the timeline has been so negative, and I don't know why. We won 2-0 today against Derby. It's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> amazing goals from Charlotte Steggles and Rosie Axton. And, uh, you know, really proud to be a Red today. We heard Derby were struggling as well as Forest were uh, so far this season. But we've pulled out the bag on uh, and really blown away the cobwebs of the 1-1 the draw back in uh, post-pandemic world that really spoiled our season out of control. So um, really, really great weekend this weekend, lads. Uh, don't know about you. I'm transitioning my loyalty. This, of course, is the Nottingham Forest women's team. It was Jordan mentioned, beat Derby 2-0. Uh, apparently, Charlotte Steggall's goal in the first half was a blistering free kick, which I'm looking forward to getting eyes on. It sounds like it was a thing of beauty. Rosie Axton uh, registering her first goal for the Reds in the second half to secure all the points. We'll actually be talking to the Forest women's coach, Andy Cook, in the next week or two. So look forward to bringing that to you guys. After the opening day draw against West Brom, that means that the Forest women's team are now fourth in the WPL Premier Division. Wes, I'm sure you're going to have opinions on the women's team, right? Great insights. Lay them on us. Definitely. (laughs) They won. (laughs) (laughs) Best team in Nottingham. (laughs) Best team in... I'm actually trying to find a way to catch those goals because it sounds sounds like um that was a actually a pretty exciting win uh, a bit of uh bright spot in everything that's going on so I'd, I'd love to go back and look at that you know i had no idea i was when i was looking at the women's result today and trying to follow the game on twitter i inadvertently stumbled across the fact that the women's team also has a junior team several junior teams in the lower age groups kids and i had no idea that that was a formal thing in nottingham and they have all these teams in there forest kits and so i said to my daughter that's it we're moving to nottingham definitely i want to see you in a forest kit <laughs> i love it although and then i realized that was child abuse <laughs> all right so let's transition to the men's game the first of which being our two nil defeat against cardiff of course it was our for whatever this means now it was our home opener i'm not sure we can really distinguish between home or away anymore but our starting 11 for that game, Samberingol, Jenkinson at right back, Figs and Worrell at centre-back, Riviero at left-back, Colback, Yates and Freeman in midfield with Amiobi, Lolly and Graben skippering the side. Quick 30,000-foot view on that game, guys. Uh, we were down within three minutes. Uh, Figs lost his marker, Moore, who... Dispatched a powerful header from a corner and already we're behind the eight ball. The one thing I will say about the first half is I think Freeman looked really class on the ball and just needs to see more of it. Uh, Unfortunately, though, didn't get on the ball as much as maybe we would have liked. Nonetheless, Graben should have converted from a Freeman cross on the 20-minute mark. He didn't, and Graben's dry spell goes on. Taylor came on at 36 minutes for Lolly, which was rather surprising. We thought perhaps that was a, an injury-induced substitution, but after the game, Sabri Mucci suggested that was tactical. We'll talk more about that here in just a moment. And then Forrest conceded again on the 40th minute when Moore once again scored off of a long throw, which I'm going to editorialize here and say, when you're playing men's professional football and you concede a goal off a long throw, <laughs> yes. insert beep, me i mean come on anyway uh yates had a chance at 53 minutes which his detractors i'm sure were delighted to see that he missed (laughs) heading the ball down and the keeper saving the upward bounce uh but a pretty pretty poor show second half forest tried to get back into the game tried to insert some pressure but i think cardiff looked pretty comfortable throughout taylor did uh, look a little scrappy um some might suggest even chippy trying to use his physical presence to get Forrest back into the match. Graben was finally subbed off after a miserable afternoon, giving Guero his opportunity to make his debut in a Forrest shirt. And also Alex Mighton made an appearance as well and looked his usual busy, buzzing self. Uh, but it was to no avail. Forrest ended up losing 2-0. Gents, pick the bones out of that one. So I want to go first, Jordan, if it's okay, with a, a mea culpa and an apology to Mark, uh, because in as much as I love to go against him on damn near everything, I have to come around to his side about figs. I am 
done. It's a wrap, gents. Um, <laughs> I, I defended him to the hilt as much as possible, but um, I think maybe time has come. Uh, I, I think we may have seen the bet his better days are behind him now. So um, I, I definitely that that first goal where what was it thirty. It was real early into the game. I don't remember the time mark, but it was real early. I, Very first I, goal was three minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's about the time I lost it. I was like, okay, <laughs> it's a wrap now. Uh, my bright spot of the game, uh, I had three bright spots actually: Freeman, Mighton, and Taylor. I think they all show real promise. Um, Mighton is is a, making me a little nervous because he is really showing promise, which scares me a little bit about how long he's going to stay around. Um, if you start showing too much promise, I get scared to go sell him off. So, uh, but I, I did feel the same. Is, the same is true of this podcast, which is why we're not seeing Jordan all season. Yet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I'm, I was encouraged at the end of that game, uh, seeing Freeman, Mighton, and Taylor, and and the contributions they made, the difference they made in those games, um, and I had, which took me to the next game with a bit of hope. We'll talk about that, of course, in a minute, but. Those, those are my three bright spots for the game. I like it, mate. I like it. Um, I feel like I'm walking onto the battlefield to slay the wounded with my comments now. But um, yeah, it was poor. Like it, it, When we think of the moments last season, Millwall, Matt Smith, Hattrick, and Sheffield Wednesday when we had uh, Connor um, Wickham, wasn't it, scored the header to equalize away just after the lockdown mm-hmm. and we've got Chris Martin for Derby. We just don't like big bastards up front <laughs> and we still haven't learned when Kiefer Moore bags two against you, um, that, uh, we need to be better at these set pieces. And we're seeing this again, the Figueredo Worrell partnership really struggles against these, these players. Um, and when you've got, all these signings as other options for yourself. Play them instead. Um, but uh, yeah, just same old, wasn't it? I think was the was the piece coming uh, coming out of that game where this is the game that we've always traditionally struggled with. We didn't have a plan B, or when we did have a bit of a plan B, it looked a bit odd. Um, the most worrisome item from me was: is this the moment that? the players are starting to revolt a little bit. Like taking Lolly off, a very influential part of the team, 36 minutes, not great man management of one of your best players. Um, Like even at half, you could do it at half time. Like what's that nine minutes going to do to you really? We're already 2-0 down. Like what's the big difference? Um, Actually at that point, I think we were just 1-0. We were just 1-0 down. So yeah, it worked either way, didn't it? Um, so, <laughs> 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 so like, uh, just very confusing. Um, and I think when you're, when you're seeing people under pressure that make rash decisions like that, um, that was a bit of a, a worrisome moment for me. We had promising moments. We had chances too. like, I think two nil flattered Cardiff a little bit to be truly honest. Um, that's fair. But yeah, promising moments. Couldn't quite finish. Still, I think stinks of squad still trying to gel rather than, hey, this is a hangover. I think it's more it's t- trying to figure out what a, another way of playing is. Um, but unfortunately, we're three games now as we go to the next one into the season in the league um, and, and still have work to do. Yeah, I, I mean, to your point, we had chances. We did have chances. And I know that folks like Tails and others online who are inclined to spin the positive. And I understand, I think that they're, they're very straight up. I don't think that they pandered to Forrest, but I also understand the desire to be upbeat when you think Forrest perhaps, you know, turning the tide. There were chances. Amiobi, Freeman, Taylor, might and all had opportunities to score. None of them particularly guilt-edged. But I think in large part that was because Cardiff had 2-0 to defend. They went in at halftime with 2-0. Second half, they sat in quite clearly, looking maybe for the counter. We looked better because they gave us more of the ball. They gave us more freedom of the field. Um, I haven't seen Forrest impose themselves on a team for 
help me here, gents. <laughs> when was the last time Forrest imposed himself on a team? It would have been before Karanka, really, like because we were defensive under Karanka too. We dominated the defensive game and did quite well out of it. But like we've not dominated teams for a long time. I think the last time probably was those games where it just clicked with Mark Warburton and we beat a team like three or four nil. I don't think we've actually dominated a team properly mm. since then. When you think of the Brentford's winning seven one type games. Derby it's maybe. It's been a while since we've had that. <laughs> Derby maybe. Maybe 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 Derby. I think one high spot for that match though, for me at least, was Freeman. I mean folks have talked a, a long time about Carvo and why isn't he getting more opportunities and Freeman's another Carvo type player and is he struggling with the same things within this format under this manager? All of which will come on soon when we talk about Huddersfield. But for me, he was a bright spot in Cardiff. He was looking to carry the ball. He was looking to break lines. More than that, he was not hiding. He kept showing for the ball and he's so comfortable on it under pressure. You know, when you watch him play, I think a big distinguishing piece between a player who's really that next level in quality and also Rand's are... If, you, if you're watching a player and that player is always peeling away into space, trying to create space to receive a ball, they're probably a so-so player. But if you've got players who have somebody at their backside who are still asking for the ball and are capable of taking it under pressure, then you've got a player on your hands. And Freeman was asking for it constantly. And he's so composed on the ball. I really like the look of him. And I think to your point, Jordan, about match fitness and callback, once Freeman gets his match fitness... I'm really excited to see what he can do. Okay, gents. Uh, man of the match for me that match and for Twitter as well was Freeman. Do we have any other takers or are you boys on board with that? No, I was impressed with him. They looked bright um, and played in the right position as we'll come to us. <laughs> come on, Wes. Anything yeah. real? No, I third that. I'm, I'm totally on board with him for man of the match. Good deal. Good deal. Okay, so to Forrest's most recent match... A 1-0, guess what? Defeat to Huddersfield. Dear Carby's Huddersfield. <laughs> Tell you what, it's a good job he played, otherwise it would have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably right. So seven changes to Forest's starting 11, which is kind of astonishing. And I know we're going to talk about that in some detail. Giving four debuts to Christie. Mbeso, McKenna, and Arta. So our starting 11 was Sambering Goal, uh, the aforementioned Christie at right back, Mbeso and McKenna, the centre-back partnership. Worrell, of course, was injured. Uh, Blackett in at left-back. Colback, Sal making his first appearance of the season, and Arta, the midfield triumvirate with Amiobi, Taylor, and Freeman, I guess in a 4-3-3. I think that was what we were looking at here. Yeah. Uh, taking up their their typical position. So, top goal scorer from last season, Lewis Graben on the bench, which meant that Colback had the captain's armband. Uh, 40 seconds into the match, Huddersfield captain, Hogg, decides to stud Arta, which could have been career-ending. That was very, very ugly indeed. Unfortunately, the referee didn't see it, so didn't even earn a yellow card when it should have been red. Unbelievable, wasn't it, that? Like, <laughs> just pausing on that. Like, first terrible referee. I know. I know it's hard not to interject on that one. It was oh. astonishing. Um, well, Forrest knew back for... Looked decent in parts, but uh, were struggling, I think, with their marking in the box. A lot of ball-watching... Hogg finally did get his deserved yellow card on 11 minutes, I'm delighted to say. But it took Forrest 18 minutes before they even had a shot on target. Amiobi, with some of his usual tricky footwork, uh, ripping a shot that drew a great save from the Huddersfield goalkeeper. Freeman again, looked pretty good every time he was on the board. He was trying to create things. He was trying to break lines. But Huddersfield, it just looked too easy for them. I'm delighted to say Hogg found his way off the field in the 41st minute. That's karma for you people. Injured and uh, subbed out. So almost scored, excuse me. Yeah, well, Mbeso. Let's say Mbeso in order to distinguish between him and the other so. Almost scored off of a header from a Freeman corner in the last minute of the first half. So although Forrest weren't pulling up any trees, if you pardon the pun, things did at least look decent in that first half. Not so much in the second half when the wheels came off. Forrest started brightly enough the first five, ten minutes. Looked like they really were going for it and trying to score their opening goal of the season. 
But on 53 minutes, it was Huddersfield who would score. Sky Sports wrongly suggesting that Campbell's strike was a worldie. I would suggest that when you have the complete freedom of the box, Big Wes would have scored that. Sorry, Big Wes. Even Big Wes. (laughs) Being mean. It was a nice cross from Tofola, but really Campbell had forever and a day to dispatch that. And he did so with aplomb with the defence not marking. And once again, ball watching. Mighton came on at 55 minutes for Sal to give Forrest a more attacking look, but it was just too little, too late, not enough quality. Uh, In all 65 minutes, when Graben finally found his way onto the field for Taylor, he too added to Forrest's attacking options and hit a great strike early doors, but didn't trouble the goalkeeper. And that was pretty much the story of the game. Huddersfield had a few late chances as Forrest was stretched, one of them falling to the aforementioned Dear Carby, who, thank the football gods, did not score something that we are at least used to seeing. Gents, thoughts on this one as Forrest go down 1-0 to Huddersfield? I think from my standpoint, I saw some pr- quite promising signs actually um, from the game. Um, it's, it would be easy to kind of do the doom and gloom argument, I think, on this one. Um, and I, exa- I know exactly why people would do that. Like, I, th- I think the Campbell finish was actually quite good. Um, but yeah, given the, the space of the world to, to do that in. Again, I think symptomatic of playing so many new players together at the same time, needing to gel. But the, like I said, I think there were promising signs. We had great chances. Like if Hamer hadn't saved the Amiomi chance, you know, great opportunity there. We had headers that kind of had amazing saves from two. I don't think it was that bad a game. Um, like if, if I'm thinking of like so Colback and Arter in the middle of the pitch, like that's the shit housing I'm here for every single day of the week <laughs> in midfield. Like there are not many teams that are going to get through that midfield in future games. I thought Christie looked promising, had one of our first shots on target for the whole season. Um, I think like we said about Mighton, like I'm worried again, we're going to sell him by the end of the window. He's starting to look promising as an option off the, off the bench. I think Blackett's not a left back. I think we're starting to see that now the last few games. But And Freeman was played out of position. But when we look at Cardiff and we play him in the middle, that works. So I think we just need a little bit of luck right now. Um, but actually, there's promising signs for me. I don't think you know playing that lineup in December or January is going to end up in the same result like that. Um, I think the, the annoying thing is we're trying to gel a team that's had a million new players to it whilst also running down the, uh, the the league table in our fixtures. I think when it clicks, though, I'm quite optimistic. Um, but it's uh, contingent on a few things coming together that I'm sure we'll speak to after these uh, two, uh, two games. But I think, yeah, some promising signals for me, some worrisome items that I think is symptomatic of just the team gelling. How about you, Wes? Yeah, from... This was a, a continuation of my overall confusion about our team. But um, <laughs> one of the things that I saw from Mike that was pretty interesting to me is I saw his mental fitness um, being challenged a little bit in this game because he was beat up a bit. You know, they were on him. Um, and I seen him got, get knocked down a few times. And he relied, you know, he looked back at the ref, waiting on the call, threw his hand a couple of times, waiting on the call. And I don't want him to fall into the trap of having the referee trying to save him, right? Get out and play. And if you get knocked down, get back up, which was pretty impressive. If you watch when uh, Graben came on, one of the things he did is when he got in the box, he could have eased that, that shot that kind of went off when he, when he first got in. It was easy at that moment to try to maybe take a dive and fall and see if, uh, you know, if he could get a call, but he played right through that thing. And that's the kind of mental toughness that I think we need. And, and maybe that's going to develop in might in Mighton. but um, that was a kind of a bit of a question mark. I'm still in this corner, but that was a bit of a question mark for me. Um, My biggest, biggest question mark is what's going on with grabs, right? I like to not to start to get, uh, what do you say, 65 minutes or so, Mark, when he came on. Um, mm-hmm. And to go into this kind of isolating mode, you know, where he's kind of moving off to himself. It, uh, it just makes me wonder 
if there is not some bad blood maybe uh, brewing there and uh, just kind of wonder off the pitch how things are developing with him as well. That's interesting because Jordan obviously raised concerns in regards to Lolly from the previous game. I wonder whether or not, yeah, there is some friction in the camp. He's got a huge task on his hands here. Like, how do you keep this many players happy? You don't. And I think we did a, he did a reasonable job last year by being a bit ruthless and saying, here's the in and outs. The issue now is he's having to go out to the players that were some of his better players last year to make everyone happy. And then that's going to annoy the other members of the squad from last year that actually performed quite well. Like realistically, we were not expected to finish in the top six last year. We finished seventh and actually should have finished in the top six, really. Um, And now we're, it seems like we're completely blowing up a foundation that we should have built on rather than, okay, let's just redecorate the whole top floor of the house. But at the same time, we're just going to demolish the first floor of the house. It, it just makes such little sense right now. And it's actually make, I think making our life a bit harder for ourselves. That's a beautiful analogy. It really that is. is. That's, I, so that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. We're blowing up the, the basement and the foundation <laughs> whilst trying to decorate the top floor. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Um, and I can't quite get it. Um, and yeah, I think where we're at right now is Forrest is still trying to just work, figure it all out. We've got murmurings of more players coming. It's so bonkers. And, and we're swapping players. Like we don't need this volume of players. It, like swapping isn't going to help us. Um, and I think, yeah, we're figuring out, we don't know what our plan B is beyond playing our traditional four, five, one kind of formation. Um, and I think my, my thinking here, sorry, and we're going to move into the next piece if there's nothing else on the Huddersfield game, because I don't think there's much more for us to talk about, but I, I think what we need to do is just land on a formation. We've had like almost a different formation each week, um, and players playing out of position, I think we just need to stick to a formation and run with it for a few games where we can start to get at least a bit of predictability for those in the team that, hey, here's the system we're trying to play. Um, And for me, as much as uh, Sabri tried it and it failed last year, I think 3-5-2, given our squad, might be the way forward for us to shore ourselves up in defense. And if we don't concede a goal, we don't lose games. Mm. Um, and maybe that starts to build confidence by at least getting points on the board where I would have Samba in goal. I'd have Umbeso, Worrell and Blackett as as my three in the center of, of defense. I think Blackett can be quite solid, but just not a left back. We could have Christie right wing back. We could have Ribeiro or Ioannou left wing back. I think I've never seen Ioannou, but lots of great feedback from the Apple well fans and, 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 and comes with a good reputation. Um, and then I think we, we touched on Jack Colback's issues earlier, but I think with three men behind him, it can push him forward and he doesn't need to try and do as much as I think he's trying right now and almost trying too hard. We have Colback and Arta there in the mid, in the middle of midfield, lots of experience, premier league quality um, to really dominate the middle of the pitch because we're going to be solid at the back. We can then dominate the midfield. And then we have, you know, Freeman just playing slightly in front in the middle, given the freedom to be the free man, ironically, um, in this system. And we play to his strengths and we play Taylor and Graben up front. Like if we can't get goals from these two strikers that scored between them, like a bazillion goals last season in the championship, Maybe it's a chance we just said, this is our team we're going to just run with for a few weeks. And yeah, we might draw nil-nil because we're solid at the back. But that's where my head's starting to think right now, where if we can't get stability in the squad, let's at least get stability in the formation and a bit of the way we play. We're trying to do something different from last year because we know that those tactics don't always play in our favor when we actually probably want the ball more than... Uh, you know, than we did last year. And last year's tactics don't work with that. Like we just get found out. We seem clueless. I think this gives us a few more options, but 
other than that, like I'm really struggling um, with with what our, our next step is. But I think we need to find some certainty and stability in, 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 in one form or another. Jordan, you said something that I actually have been stewing on all week. You said if we don't score, if we don't concede a goal, we don't lose the game, right? That's, and that's such a glass half full look at things, right? It's, it's let's just not lose right now. Um, <laughs> is that is that... I guess for where we are and how we're looking now is I guess just not losing is, is an improvement. Right. And, and that's a struggle for me to say, okay, guys, let's just not lose. Right. We're not even focusing on kicking ass on the other, on the other end of the pitch and trying to try to score goals. Right. We're just not trying to concede them right now. How does that play out? How does that fit? Or is it, does it just get us over the hump? I, I'm really struggling with that and have been for a few days now. Yeah, well, I think p- putting it this way, right? Like, we could almost throw away the first 10 games of the season. There's 36 games left after that. And if we average two points per game, 72 points, that's enough to get us where we need to get to, give or take. We need to gel this team. <laughs> There's no, like, changing the manager, I don't think it's going to help us right now, where we still have all these newbies. So we need some stability, whether it be a system or a formation, I, is, is, is just what I'm throwing out there, to, uh, yeah, like you said, Wes, not lose, but let's treat this as like a really focused preseason with a bit of our plan. Because I think Sabri's trying loads of different things because he's under pressure. And it's just like, how are we going to make all of this work? Um, and if I was in his shoes right now, I'd be like, look, I'm just going to stick to a system and I know the one I did I did last year probably wasn't fit for purpose for now the players we've got. He's got so many options that you could probably make four of the teams I just mentioned a three five two. But I think he needs to find some stability there. Where yeah, say we throw another two or three games away, we then have forty games that we can afford to. You know, I think with this quality we've got, I think we could get there. Like we could string a run together, like every other team has done in over the years. Like Swansea were nowhere until last year and made the playoffs. Um, and I think for us now, it's a case of we need to just get out of this. Like, hey, we're in crisis mode. Uh, find some stability as much as we can from somewhere. Even if we lose two games or something, the next two, and we've le- we've lost five on the trot people lose like 11, 12 games and still make playoffs. Um, and I think that's where I think we've got to turn because I don't think we have many other options without then Sabri leaving. We do it all over again. We have another squad turn and we just go into the forest cycle over and over again that we've done before. Um, and at that point, I think we really have to question the strategy of the team. We have to really go above Sabri and say, the Modestos, the Rentsos, the chairmans of the world. Like, what is our actual plan here now? Because all I'm seeing, if we get rid of Sabri right now, is throwing money away, putting two fingers up to the fans, and we're going backwards. Okay. Wow. Soapbox away. (laughs) You needed to get that off your chest, my friend. Good for you. And I, I agree with much of what you said. I mean, I like what you're suggesting in regards to the formation. I like what you're suggesting in regards to the personnel. I, I make a couple of changes. I think rather than Blackett in that center three, I would go with McKenna. Um, I think my struggle with that is I agree with you. We need three at the back for all the reasons I cited earlier in terms of bull watching, there being too much space in the box, uh, not picking up our markers enough. And I also agree with you that we would benefit from playing two up top with Taylor and Graben. But I think we also need to find a way to get one or both of Lolly or Amiobi on the field as well, because they're typically the two most dangerous attacking options or assist options that we have in the team. And I think Arta needs to be out there as well. So how do you make all those pieces fit together in a formation that makes sense? At this point, to be quite honest, whether I agree with a defensive-minded team or not, if I could get definitively, here's what we are, and here's what you have to look forward to, and I can start to look forward to that, maybe I'd feel a little better. I just feel so much uncertainty right now and not understanding where we are. Yeah, I agree. And like, I, I think I'd keep Sabri for eight to 10 games. And if we don't get to that 10, if we get to that 10 games point, and we don't see some form of pattern stability, 
I think that's where we start to think about cutting bait. I still think it's a little bit too early to do that. Yeah. Um, we learned the hard way, right? Like Karanka was on a bit of a roll. Yeah, there was, we were losing a little bit in behind the scenes. But O'Neill did know better to some extent and looked a bit clueless. So I, I, people are throwing out the other options, but I don't think they're the right people for where we're at right now. Like Eddie Howe had years and years and years building a team up over time. Not once has he had experience of coming in as a bit of a turnaround like the Warnocks have of the world. Chris Hewton, yeah, a potential answer. Like I think of all the names out there, he's one where, yeah, we consider it. But he's not the glamorous football type that lots of Forest fans want. And if you thought Sabri Ball was boring, Hewton Ball's pretty similar. Um, So it's very easy to throw out the other options. I think our, our actual option right now is Look, we've given Sabri all he needs and it's very unfair for him to have all these new signings, try and tell him in the shortest preseason we've ever had, less recovery than any, any other season. And yes, it's the same for others. Gel this team and win from day one. Like, mm-hmm. it's an impossible task. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're seeing it in the NFL with Cam Newton and everything, trying to, like, trying to turn around franchise. Well, like, you, even you, stay, yeah. staying, staying with this sport, though, Jordan, and with this league in particular, to your point, I don't know how much you've watched other games, guys, so far this season. I've watched a handful of other championship teams play. I don't think the quality of the football being played in the championship right now is good. It's, it's awful. We said it. It's a shite league this year. We said it. Like, that's why I was just so that, buzzing because last year. It, not just that, but because of the short break. I think every team is unfit. I think every team has players they've recruited who haven't had minutes for their previous team. I just think the whole thing right now is just, I don't know, it's one per job. It's just not, you know, it's not the hot start to the season you'd expect. I think the whole thing, I think we're seeing to a certain degree the same in the Premier League as well, but in the Championship, those games I've seen certainly Forests, but others as well. Yeah, it's there's there's not good football being played right now. But in in defense of the overall league, then that just puts us back on a regular footing, right? If mm-hmm. everybody is crap, that means that we're all we're all on the same level together, right? So I don't think that gives us much of a out as far as a club goes. Um, but I well, but, do but agree. Be, I, but, but, but Wes, it's, it's the whole miracle worker idea, isn't it? It's mm. people already made up their minds about Sabri and those that want him out, you know, want him out because Absolutely. he's not working Absolutely. miracles, yeah. right? I got all these players in and it's, it's not happening and he needs to go now. And, and people just need, I think it's, you need to put things in context. Um, I'm with you, Wes, I have the same reservations at this point, but I think the bigger context suggests that, he probably, I don't know, I'm not sure if he deserves 10 games. I don't know. We'll see. But <laughs> I'm probably right in between you and Jordan. Yeah. But I think part of the, the big cry, the, the people that want him out really is uh, they don't agree with his style of football, right? Mm. If his style is defensive minded and solid and sit back and defend a goal. I, I know for a fact, a lot of people want to see that get at him style football, mm. right? That, mm-hmm. that, that if, if I have, 12 shots on target. That's, that's good enough for the, the style of football that I want to see, right? So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of that as well. I don't know what you guys are worried about. We're not in relegation positions and we're still above Derby on goal difference having not scored. <laughs> <laughs> there's so good my job Sheffield line. Wednesday got deducted points because there's only two other teams that are really, are really struggling. Another piece to this is we've just signed the bloke on a two-year deal. So then we're going to have more money on our books by then signing another manager Very good point. and then saying, hey, fans, please cough up your season ticket money. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yep. Yep. It, I right? hate your frustration, my friend. Um, tying a bow around this one, when I was researching Huddersfield, rather amusingly, it occurred to me that perhaps outside of Derby, these are maybe two teams that shared the most number of players in Forest's history. So I'm seeing 22 I bet Jordan can name all of them. Uh, go on, Jordan, give me a few. Which, so which players have played for both teams? Huddersfield and Forest. So even just within the team, the players that played yesterday, we had Ben Hamer that had that false loan under Fawaz. Um, we have Lolly, Diakabi, uh, Heffler. Um, 
I'm now struggling already. Bad <laughs> uh, Joel Lynch played for both. Very good. Um, oh man, I'm. Do we had twenty two? Twenty two. And I'm in what it. four or five there? Five. five. Craig Armstrong, Jim Brennan. Oh shit! I'm alone. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Mustafa Carriol, uh, Gray Crosby, uh, DeCarvey, Joe Garner, Lee Glover. Grant Holt. Oh, I love Grant Holt. Oh. What a ball in the china shop. Jack Hunt, Tom Ince, boo. <laughs> Damien Johnson, Majeski. How did Majeski play for Huddersfield? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Wow. Yeah. Miller, Ishmael Miller, Jamie Patterson, Lee Peltier, David Phillips, Jack Robinson, Phil Starbuck. There's a blast from the past. And Elliot Ward. So. I was going to say Elliot Ward. Ah, you, sorry, man. <laughs> Should let you round that out. That's All right, guys. Um, that's a great find, mate. That's quite... <laughs> <laughs> 22 players have played for Huddersfield Town and Nottingham Forest. Wow. I know you'd appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, do we have a man of the match for this? I was struggling here, guys. I really was struggling. I mean, Samba's saves at the end were phenomenal. He spilled a ball earlier in the game, though, which took a little bit of the edge off. I thought Mbeso and McKenna carrying the ball out of defense and giving us that extra dimension was great. But again, I think they were ball watching. Uh, too many instances. If you look at the goal that um, Campbell scored, in the build-up to that goal, he's actually wide open in the middle of the box and the ball gets recycled and then he's still wide open in the middle of the box. So that's a mark against them as well. So, um, I don't know, probably, probably one of those three may be the best of, a, of, a, of an average bunch. I mean, we have people there making debuts. That's always difficult. Arthur and Christie have bright spots, but didn't, you know, weren't consistent. What do you boys think? For me, Samba's kept uh, that beat down from being an absolute, being absolute carnage, right? Because there was, what, two <laughs> or three saves at the end that just, it, they were really good saves. Um, I, like you, I was a bit bit miffed that they even got through, but uh, for him just stopping the bleeding at the end, towards the end of the match, uh, kind of sealed him as man of the match for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think, again, Lyle Taylor hasn't had much time to settle in. We saw his, his weaknesses. I thought Blackett was weak. Um, Christie, again, yeah, positive moments, but then caught out on the defensive end at times. Umbeso, I probably would nudge it. I think he was better than McKenna. I, I think I'd yeah. put, pin the goal on McKenna more than Umbeso and look more positive and lively at corners and a bit disruptive. I thought Otto actually played reasonably well. Um, but again, I think still figuring it out with him, Colback in, in the middle there. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. <laughs> it's a difficult, difficult Should question. we go Samba? Yeah. We had 11 individuals, didn't we, really? That yeah. was the summary of Friday. Good point. Good point. 11 individuals on the team. Well, that puts that to bed, guys. Ordinarily now, we would uh, treat our listeners to a little bit of Silverdale. But unfortunately, he is going to be missing for the next couple of weeks. He's on a secret assignment somewhere, so you're just going to have to wait. Hopefully, he makes the next pod, if not the one thereafter. He's on an EU road trip. He's just on one of those long-haul uh, coach-driving <laughs> journeys, and uh, we hope he survives it and comes back on the other side. Uh, his input so far has been fantastic so we look forward to him rejoining the pod when his assignment is complete so jordan uh we'd love for you to update our listeners on nffc na news so boys some great news this week a lot of the membership pack material arrived this week and it's looking tight it's lovely let's go it's lovely there's a little covid flair to one of the items that you'll get in your membership packs this year usual kind of badges launching the patch this year the nffcna patch so membership pack items and shout out to nigel uh nfsc and la who's really kind of taken the charge from our from our group this year on, on on compiling that together but yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait for the little reveals on Twitter for when, uh, when it's all arrived. We're just waiting on one more item and then uh, we'll stop sh- shipping them out. So hopefully in, in October, everybody will, uh, will have their membership packs. Um, and yeah, just a quick reminder for those that still are yet to, to sign up for this year. I think, uh, again, given 
uh, we're probably not going to be able to make many games this year. Uh, obviously, that that benefit of the the priority ordering of tickets uh, isn't as lucrative this year. We're coming up with a number of other items just to kind of make sure people are uh, are getting uh, perceived. Uh, value for money on it uh you know we've got a few extra items in the pack this year compared to last year uh some new sticker designs as well uh just so uh we're, we're trying to mix it up and then we're going to think of just some other options throughout the year as well um just to uh, to bring people together whether it be virtual meetups or, or other things as well um so keep your eye out but yeah for those that haven't yet signed up feel free to uh, to to sign up it's not too late right now but uh, yeah, limited edition, uh, all of the merch uh, to 100. And we're getting scarily close to that already. So uh, please get your last run in on, on, on memberships and, and signups. Uh, still got the old ratings, competitions and everything else that, that goes through this year. Um, some nice goodies coming in as prizes. I think uh, Kyle uh, Porter got the uh, signed jersey uh, last year for, for winning the yeah. full uh, competition. So Lots to come out uh, uh, in, in future weeks, but uh, yeah, please, uh, please continue to sign up. So for any listeners who aren't familiar with NFFC NA Jordan, where can they find out more information? Where can they perhaps sign up for one of those last few membership packs? Well, that's it. It's uh, www.nffcna.com or at NFFC NA on all the social media channels. Very good. Big Wes, you've been a member longer than I have, I think. In fact, I think membership was founded around you. I think you just sat there cross-legged with bongos in the middle of Atlanta. <laughs> people, people started showing up. Um, so what are your thoughts on membership? Yeah, I, first of all, I want to underscore what Jordan said about signing up, getting those before the last few memberships are gone. But I am so blown away with the way that this thing has grown and you're right mark i was there from the beginning and saw it from a itty bitty thing um to what it is now uh i could not be more proud or more pleased with the way that uh the whole organization is being steered now so you know shout out to jordan and you and and everybody and sean too out there for just moving this thing forward for just a great uh, vehicle for all of us to kind of collaborate together for me to learn football through. Uh, I am really, really pleased with where NFFC NA is, has grown to and I'll just encourage everybody to get on board right now. Yeah, and just to, to shout out just the kind of uh, leadership crew. Um, yeah, you know, Sean was the ultimate founder of, of, of all of this, but Definitely. Um, Carl, Andy, Dan, uh, and Nigel, and on top of myself, uh, the other four do a lot more than I do. I'm just a bit of a voice. Um, but uh, no, uh, shout out to, to all of their ongoing efforts and, and work that they, they put in. Um, it's, uh, they do a cracking job. Yeah, the, the first meetup, like you said, Mark, we had here in Atlanta, I think, I want to say there were about 12, 10, 12, 10 or 12 of us that got together, and, and Sean organized a good bit of that. And um, every year after that unfortunately we, we couldn't have our meetup this year but i mean it just blew up over the last uh few meetups and excited about when it, when we all can get together again yeah me too because i've not met many of these folks they are these late these names are legendary to me and i'm looking forward to putting faces to them and sinking pints with them so yeah, yeah. hopefully when, when you meet carl in in real life that's a that's a game changer your life will never be the same man <laughs> All right, good deal. Thanks for the update there, Jordan. Let's uh, let's wrap up this pod with predictions. So, for us, next two games, I've broken up with an international break, and we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. And some content, some bonus content we have for our listeners. But let's focus on those next two games, and let's try and be brave, guys. Let's try and be courageous. Come on, this has got to turn around at some point. The first game is Bristol City at the City Ground on October the 3rd. Jordan, you want to go first? Yeah. It's a team in form. <laughs> this is the worst thing about it. Um, that what, like Bristol City, they've won every single game this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they're going to win 2-1 Bristol City. But you got Forrest scoring their first goal. I've got a score and a goal because um, I think we're slowly getting there. I just don't think 
we're going to be defensively solid enough to beat a team that's won three games in a row. Yeah, I'm going to jump on that 2-1 as well. I think we score our first goal. The, the surprising part is Amiobi is going to bag that goal. Oh, I like it. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I am going to go 1-1. I'm going to have Forrest scoring their first goal and getting their first point of the season. I know that's ambitious, but like I said, this has got to turn around at some point. <laughs> we then have an international break, and depending on whether or not Forrest do get their first point of the season or continue this death spiral, uh, we may or may not still have Sari Lamucci at the helm when Forrest travel to Blackburn Rovers on the 17th of October. Gents, uh, thoughts on this one? Wes, you want to go first? Yeah, one, one nil. Forrest is going to finally break through. We're going to get it. Uh, Graben is going to get that goal. The 1-0 Forrest finally uh, get a win. Okay. So this is a Blackburn team that has scored nine goals in two games. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. We're playing two worst teams, I don't think, right now. But well, we're coming um, off the international break, though. International break, yeah. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a 1-1 draw. Okay, that's what I've got as well. I've gone with two 1-1s. Yeah. Nice. All right, is, mate. This yeah, is where yeah. we begin to stem the tide and turn the tide. Yes. So um, I don't care who scores. Absolutely don't care. It can go out off the back of flipping Colback's arse, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, just need any luck, don't we, right now? Yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up this pod, guys, one of the things I uh, one of the thing I do want to mention, obviously, we have a, a gap there between those two games, and we don't want to leave you podless. So uh, we have got our first player interview in the can. Uh, it's a former Ooh. Forest legend between the sticks, big norm, Mark Crossley. I would like yeah. to say I had the opportunity to visit with big norm. We like our bigs here. Our big Wesies, <laughs> norms. Delighted to have the chance to, to visit with him about a week or so ago now. And he was very generous with his time. He and I talked for about an hour and we talked obviously extensively about Forrest, about his recollections of Clough, but we also talked about other aspects of his career as well, other clubs he's been at and represented. And then of course we talked about his walking is brilliant yeah. and a lot of the work that he, his friends are doing with the watch campaign, which is just incredible. I'm sure everyone listening to this by now knows pretty much everything there is to know. You may have ordered hats or beanies or other merch from, from those guys. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It was, uh, yeah, it was, I was trying to get stories out of him that maybe weren't out there that weren't commonplace. And I think we've got a couple of little gems. So I think you boys might enjoy it. That's nice pretty, his, his Twitter account is an absolute delight. So that's, that's a walking is brilliant. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no. very excited about that. And that will drop. I guess sometime between October the 3rd and October the 17th. I just need to edit that up and get that out. So I um, hope you guys enjoy hearing from Big Norm, Forest Legend. Yes. yes. That's it. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap up the pod the way we always do. <laughs> just some enthusiasm here. Let's try, yeah, like, get try, some positivity. Try, come on. <laughs> try to ring it out at the end of this one. Here we go. Yes! <laughs> that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad.